Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Andy Williams, Jr. Andy is a minister whose passion is modeling what Jesus did, reaching out to the broken and helping them find their identity and their purpose. He has told me before that he is about his father's business, and we're going to get into that and talk about what that means. Andy, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. You have met with all kinds of men in trouble situations, from homelessness to a life of crime. What led you into your ministry, and how did you find these men? And when you found them, were they missing their identity and their purpose? What led me into the ministry is because I was one of those men. And in partially ways, I, I still am. And, and when I I wind up meeting this guy, Mike Murdoch, <clears throat> that was, uh, t- uh, I don't know, a charismatic preacher or something. But he wrote all these books um, and he would give them away like at his workshops. And that was a, a major turning point for me on ministry wise, because he wrote a book, how to think like Jesus or how to be like Jesus or 31 secrets of, of the richest man that ever lived. And that began to shape my mind on wisdom. And then there's a book by, um, I want to say his name is Pat Williams on how to be like Jesus. He was the founder of Orlando magic or head coach or something. And I read that book and I just began to see like, I can be like Christ. I'm not Christ, but I can be like Christ. And what did Christ do? He he ministered where the people were, because that was one of the things the Mike Murdoch book taught. Jesus went where people were. And so I realized I'm from the streets, like I was in, you know, street gangs, hanging out, been in prison. So I just wanted to model that same thing and say, well, Christ went where the people were. Well, I already been where the people are. I'm familiar with them. And so that's what it led me to be like, I'm just a disciple, a student following the master's plan and how I meet the people. And what brings me to them is I don't, I, there's, there's no set method to it. It's just how I go about day, daily life. And I run across the men or the people or the boys. Um, and I just let the Holy spirit lead. And in fact, right now, the biggest ministry that we have going on, I mean, I do, is in my house with my stepsons, because I believe that is the, the the father's business, most importantly, is to minister at home first. And there was some broken things in there because I'm in a blended family, um, kind of like how I grew up. So I'm just going back saying, what, what was I missing in a father? And that's what I'm becoming in my own house. That is absolutely powerful. As you were describing that, I'm thinking back to the life of Jesus. The people that Jesus hung out with were the broken people. Those were the people he sat down, that he ate with, that he fellowshiped with. When he was confronted all that on, on those issues or confronted on that by the elite, he told them, I, you know, I didn't come here for, for those that are well or think they're well. I came here for the broken, for the sick. This is why I'm here. I'm here for them. And what your ministry is so in tune with that. I absolutely love that. Thank you. <laughs> and the men you've met, is there a link between fatherlessness and the hard situations that they have found themselves in? No, not, not, it's a mix. Um, 
because I think we keep hearing, oh, well, I had a, a lack of a father, a, a lack of a, a father. But when you read the scripture, I believe Christ said there's only one father. So I think what we've had a lack of is positive male role models of what it is to raise a family is what I believe it is. Because I grew up with a father. He was a carpenter and he worked. That's just what he did. And some of my friends or, or brothers, I would call them, they've had two parent households. Some has had single parent household with a father, some single parent with a mother. I think it really comes down to the identity of knowing who we are. And that only comes from whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's like, if you can find out if like, like my goal is to really let the Holy Spirit lead and walk with them as Jesus walked. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like, I'm going to find out if if, if the, the root of the issue is if, if you didn't have a father or you, you grew up without a dad. No, the issue is I'm here and let the Holy Spirit do his job and minister, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. One of the things I've always come back to is usually the root trouble with men, why they end up in trouble, why they end up in problems, why they end up caught up in addictions and things like that. It comes down to two things. One, they don't know who they are. And two, they don't know their purpose. You bringing this up is really interesting because you're basically saying they're, even if they grew up in a single parent home, they still have their spiritual identity. At least they should know their spiritual identity. They have a heavenly father. They are not without a father. It's just a matter of being aware of that, of, of understanding that. Does that sound like what you're what you're getting at? Exactly what I'm saying. Because I think the solution is what you said. We have to know our identity and know we have a purpose. Because once we figure that out or discover it, I would say, then we're less likely to say what we don't have and more likely to concentrate on who we are. Absolutely. And then the other part you mentioned is, is the community mentors, other men who, who pick up that slack in the case of that child that is growing up in a single parent home. For example, I grew up in a single parent home as well. There were skills and things that I needed to learn for example, as a teenager, that most teenagers would know that their dads are or should be teaching them. For example, basic car maintenance, how to take care of your car. Most dads teach their kids that if you had a dad around to teach you that, which I didn't. However, for example, I was taking piano lessons and my piano teacher's husband would come to me after the lessons and he would ask me about my car. How, how's, how's my car doing? When was the last time I changed the oil? That sort of thing. I didn't know what I was doing, so I didn't know the answer to that question. So he says, all right, here's a list of what you need. Go get these things. Come back to your next lesson. Go find me or I'll find you. We're going to change the oil together. And then when we're done with that, my truck needs an oil change. You're going to help me change the oil on my truck too, so you can get some experience with that. So that's what I mean. I call them surrogate fathers because they step in and they see that need and they come in to fill that need. There's all kinds of ways that our heavenly father provides in the case where there is fatherlessness, where there's not a earthly father present to make sure that we're getting exactly what we needed. Anyway, those opportunities are there. And if you are a dad and 
you know, you have your own home, your own family, pay it forward. Look for those same opportunities elsewhere. And we're going to get into that, but there's so much going on in what you're doing to encourage this. Um, I, I think that's absolutely amazing. So we're going to go ahead and go into our next question. I love stories. I, I absolutely love to hear stories. And I know that those listening right now love stories too. Tell me some stories about how you've used the trades as a tool to minister to broken men and restore their sense of identity and purpose. So I'm, I'm a painter and I do um, hardwood or laminate floors. And I learned uh, the construction, the trades from my dad and my dad, when I grew up, he, it's like, he always had what we would call the riffraff be his employees. Like he always was having somebody that had some kind of substance abuse problem, majority. Every once in a while he'd come across some real good contractors and I felt like he looked up to them. So he would, in my opinion, overpay them, just some stuff. But that model is what I do with what I have. So majority of the people that paint for me either suffer from some addiction or still dibble and dabble, but because what my father modeled before me, it's like I have a heart for them. Like it's a it's a, it's a patient, um, unless it interferes with with my work. And one guy I wasn't working on for months, but it, he didn't have an addiction. He would drink every day, but that was you know it. And then we worked together a few weeks ago, and then he was like, "I'm back on drugs," and it showed up in his work performance. So then we couldn't work together, you know, no more at that point. But by living, walking that walk with them, um, they have gifts and talents. They just have strongholds. And until somebody walks with them, shares the good news by not only talking, but modeling it, that's just what I do. That's how I live. It's just a natural part of me, I guess. By nine years old, I made sure under supervision that my son was able to change a light bulb in a car, change the oil, change a flat, and other basic preventative maintenance. He also knew how to do basic woodworking and simple maintenance around the house. He worked right beside me in many plumbing projects around the house as well. What would happen if other dads took the same initiative to teach their sons the basic skills of the trades? What are the benefits of doing this? In order for dads or, or to be able to do that, it's going to depend on geographically where we're at. Because in some areas, the dad just can't do that, essentially, because he's working 12, 14 hours. Like, you, you know, it's so much more that's tacked on that says, I really just don't have the the bandwidth to do it because I have not learned how to balance that. So it's like, that's where it becomes, you know, it takes a village. You know, we're, we're the body of Christ, many members, but one body. And the body would say, hey, I, I got this. I'll take your son to baseball practice and then you'll show up to the game. And then the, the young boys get to grow up to know what it is like to have male figures around them that tell them that they love them, that can show them, hey, I'll, I'll uh, you know, help you change your bike tire because the, the old man across the street, grandpa, he did that for me. He helped show me how to walk, walk willies and things like that. So I believe that we really would have a kingdom on earth, a nation the way that, you know, our heavenly father intended it to be. If we just came together and stopped saying, well, you know, what's not wrong. I mean, looking at pointing out what's wrong and instead of just pointing it out, but being the solution. 
like being that change, being I am my brother's keeper. And that's the I am that we can do it and we should be doing. So do you feel that part of that is modeling the character of God and that is part of a father figure role? I don't think it's part of it. That is it. Because when we look at the message of Christ, he kept saying, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. That's the that's what Christ kept talking about. So if you don't have that, you're going to model and see what maybe your mother is doing, maybe what the world is doing or the community or the teacher or, you know, so that is the message for us as believers. And then other nations look and say, wow, they're blessed because we're actually following the blueprint that Christ had gave us by him coming here to earth in the natural form. Cause he always talked about his father and that's where the father's business comes in. When he was talking to his mother and his, his Joseph, when they, where, where you at? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? It's interesting. He taught the disciples the same concepts for them to follow. And when they finally caught on, they were able to understand what it meant to be plugged into the same, the same source of power but much deeper than that, it's not even about the power. It's about the relationship. That bond that he right. had with his father became the same type of bond that his disciples learned to have with their heavenly father as well. There is a bond that takes place in spending time. It's it's about spending time. And I know in the example I mentioned earlier, I talked about yeah changing the oil, using power tools and, and plumbing. But I think it goes deeper to that. It's not about what you do with your children. It's about doing something with your children. So maybe your thing isn't mechanics. Maybe you're not a carpenter, but maybe you are an amazing cook. You can cook awesome, awesome meals, or you can barbecue like no one else can, whatever the case may be. But whatever your talent and whatever your skill is, you have your kids right there with you. You're teaching them that skill. They're learning right along beside you, whatever it happens to be. It's that time invested. They want to be like you in the exact same way that you're supposed to be like your heavenly father. And your heavenly father already wants to spend the time with you. And it's just a case of, are you going to make the same time to spend with him? And that's really what that part of it comes down to. It's the time. Right. In scripture, Joseph, the father of Jesus, was a tecton, which in Greek, it's, it's just a Greek word for a craftsman or a skilled worker or builder. In our world, he could have easily have been a contractor in carpentry. Jesus was taught the trade of his father, carpentry. What other lessons do you imagine he learned from his father that would have been essential to understanding his purpose and his identity? I I, I can use this from, from my father, who was a carpenter. I mean, he is still. My dad taught me how to communicate with people. I, I My dad talked to everybody. And when we would go to Menards, he knew everybody in Menards, everybody. And when I would go to the housing authority or anywhere, I would see how my dad would interact with people. So just by naturally natural, I would do, I've done the same. So it, it gave me communication skills with other people. 
And so when you're you're when I think about um Christ and, and, and his father Joseph knowing his trade, like he had to be around other tradesmen, other craftsmen, you know? And so what Christ was able to do is watch. Because when we we the the whole the one of the things about the relationship between the father and son is discipleship. And discipleship is I'm gonna do Watch me see how I did it. Next time, I'm going to let you do it. I'll watch you. And then we talk about it. Then the third time, you're going to do it. And you're going to say yes. And then you're going to teach somebody else. And so that's kind of like how the discipleship model goes in my mind, because that's what Christ did with the disciples. But he learned that concept from his father, Joseph, in the natural. I learned something really interesting from my father-in-law. Um, who shared this with me, and it was it was very insightful. In Jewish culture, in the time of Jesus, a boy was given two options, and depending on how he did, that determined what path he would go. So, a lot of boys at that time aspired to learn from the rabbi and to go to school to learn from him. And so, there was a lot of time spent learning the scriptures, learning the traditions, learning everything that had to do with the spiritual application to life, to, to leading people, all of those skills. And so there was a form of apprenticeship that a boy would experience with a rabbi to learn from that rabbi. At a certain point, there was a time period, kind of like an evaluation period, where the, there would be a check-in just to see where, where this kid is at. Did he learn everything that he needs to know? Does he have what it takes to step into a role of responsibility? Is, is this, is this teenager or is this boy ready, really ready? And if the answer was no, then the rabbi would tell the, would tell the the teenager, go and follow your father's trade. And so that would be it. The lesson would be over. He would go home, say, Rabbi told me I'm supposed to go follow you. I'm supposed to learn from you and your trade. And then the father would step in and become the uh, the, tr- the trainer. The, the son would become the apprentice of the father. Knowing all this, this becomes really interesting when we start to understand what happened when Jesus started calling the disciples. Most of them were in blue collar work. They were fishermen. I mean, they, they got their hands dirty. They worked hard each day. And Jesus called them from that life. And Jesus was a rabbi. He was in a rabbi role. Jesus told them to go follow him. It says that they left their nets. They left everything that they were doing and they went to go follow him. I think that part of it is really, really fascinating. So when you see that in, in, in your world and working with this men, these men, do you see a, any kind of a parallel? Was that your experience as well? Yes, but more from the 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 gang life, because part of my background, I was a, a member of the uh, Gangster Disciples, and what I've learned from that journey is I just left the gangster side alone. I'm still a disciple though, and so the ministry really is focused so much on the men, but primarily the the street organizations or, or the people that's been labeled as gang members, but I incorporate the trades into that, you see? And so when I look back at 
the way I grew up with my father learning the trades, I look at all the things that he taught me. And believe me, my father was not in no sense approval of Andy trying to be off into a game, but he worked from sunup to sundown. And once my stepmom and him separated, I, I, I no longer had the two-parent household because she was the authoritative figure in the disciplinarian. But that part of that life, because I go back to the scriptures when God says, I knew you before I performed, you know, uh, uh, um, put you in your mother's womb. Like God had a plan for me. So the in, in Romans, when it talks out, it works out for the good of those that love the Lord and been called according to his purpose. I feel like this journey that I've traveled through was meant to be for me to come back at the time now as being part of the Joshua generation to help set the captives free that they talk about in Isaiah 61. And I actually have the experience. I can relate to them. There's a relatable things that I have in common with them. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and in that sense, yeah, I can see that you felt you did feel that calling um, in a similar way that the disciples did. You still had that that pull on you telling you that you were meant for something really high, something something great. Is there a lesson in the work ethic of the trades that carries over into ministry? Is there a parallel? I guess what I'm trying to get at is Jesus called people from that, um, we would call it today, a blue collar lifestyle. <laughs> it, was there a purpose in calling them from that into ministry and what's being, what skills were carried over into ministry? I, the skills I, I feel is like in the trade, you you're working with your hands. You're a builder. So even if it's not the, the, the hands, you're building. And in the, the ministry with the gospel of Christ, we're building people. When you look at what God said as the, the clay, as the potter molds the clay, well, us as being vessels, once we pick up that call, that's what we're doing. And a, a, a potter, that's a trade. So when we go to the master I don't know, journeyman, let's say God is the master. Of, uh, he is the true master of all. Christ is the true master. What we are is his apprenticeship, and that's what discipleship is. So the parallel for me is they both are about trades. They both are about building. They both are about empowering people. That's the similarity. So that's what we should be doing, hmm. being the vessel to build people and whatever our trade is. And if being a father or, or, or a dad and you know, your work is in the office. Are we really building family if we don't have time for our children? And again, I'm the one that's saying this, that I just Ooh. truly grasped this as stepping in as being a stepfather, how I've allowed my wife, who's had the role of being the the role of the, the father and the mother for better terms, and she only knew that. And so now we get together. I see you're raising your son contrary to what my my spirit is telling me, I'm not telling you it's the right way, but my spirit is telling me, but I don't step in, then I'm not a stepfather. I'm just a hireling. That's it. I'm just along for the ride. And I had to repent and turn from that mm. and say, I'm going to step in. And that is what I feel mm. like the true ministry and discipleship is, is we as men, men of God, most importantly, we need to understand what our role is to our family in that discipleship. First, what is the trade in our own home? But we don't know how because we've conformed to the patterns of the world. And I'm the first one to tell you, I was that guy. And I can say I was because I'm not that guy today. 
And I'm not telling you, this is like, <laughs> I've been this way for years. No, I've been this way for about a month and a half. How about that? But I had enough enough mm-hmm. sense, enough rooted word in there to fall and turn back around instantly as I seen my marriage was going down another path. No, 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 son. You want to go out here and minister to the world, and you're doing that. You minister. I minister to people all over, jail, uh, in the streets, elected officials. It don't matter. I've, I've been talking to everybody. But where is my stepson's at? We got to step up and man up if this is what we're going to do. If we're going to have a kingdom on earth and we're going to be disciples and be fishers of men, we better fish with them boys first in our own home. We better be ministering to our own spouses first. Brother, yes, brother, absolutely. Brother. I hear all of the, I've. It, this is a sermon or a talk you won't hear very often in churches. So in churches where they're trying to fill positions and they're trying to make sure, and this happens probably more in a lot of small churches that are trying to grow where they don't have enough people in different positions and whatnot. There is this, this pressure, this sense of urgency to get those positions filled and whatnot. And there's very specific counsel in scripture that you've alluded to where there is a responsibility first to your home, to take care of your family, your household, to make sure that you have time to be present for your kids, that you're putting them first. That is your first calling and your first responsibility. And if you can't do that, if you are unable and not capable of doing that, well, capable you are, but if you refuse to do that, then you are not fit for leadership and other roles. You won't be able to handle the other responsibilities well either if you're not able to handle what's going on in your own home. And there's a spiritual application to that. So I am very grateful that you brought that up and and mentioned that. Andy, we're wrapping up our time, but it's been a very insightful and wonderful conversation with you. So before we go, what is your challenge to dads listening right now? That if we don't know how to be the man that God created us to be, we can ask God, as the book of James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of me and I'll give it to you. Let us ask the father today how to be the father he created us to be, how to be the dad that he created us to be. How to recognize that he is Abba Father, I meaning he is our Father, and we are not too grown, too prideful to still cry on Daddy's shoulders. And if you gotta cry to the Father, I would say cry out to Him, but don't stand stay in them tears crying too long. At some point, we gotta pick up our head like David did when he repented for sinning with Bathsheba. He fasted, he cried, he cried, and he prayed. But at some point, he had to get back up. Man, it's time for us to get up and walk in the dominion that our Heavenly Father has given us on earth. Andy, thank you so much for your time with us. If anyone has any questions um, or they need help or anything, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, I have a website, uh, www.andywilliamsjr.com. So that's the website I have. It's, It's old, but it's still available. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Andy. It's been an honor to have you on the Fatherhood Challenge. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.